a suitable amount of technical faffery later. Joys of international communication. I mean, not not wanting to go <laughs> off on a tangent early, but my eighteen seconds in <laughs> my my fruit based uh, electronic devices have been having one heck of a time with Bluetooth connectivity. I don't know mm. who has changed what where, but they've broken everything sporadically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the joys of, of having everything wireless. When it all goes wrong, you're like, I there's there's nothing to plug in. It's kind of just neither broken and not connected. <laughs> yeah, no, it's you know I'm, I'm walking the dog and suddenly my my little ear buddy things won't talk to my phony thing. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just so tiresome. And the, still I have this thing where I'll be listening to um, a podcast or something in here uh, in my office and it will be airplaying to my home pods and then my <laughs> wife will get in the car and suddenly my audio will go to her. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you're in the car. Cool. Here's here's this podcast in the car. Yeah, and until she gets to the bottom of the drive, which is then beyond the range, presumably of airplay, <laughs> uh, uh, and then the whole thing just falls over. Everything because I've got no idea what anybody's doing now. So I'm, I'm just going to sulk. Welcome to the club. It's uh, you know this is the over thirties club, and this is what happens. We don't understand technology. That's yeah, fantastic. And then I had somebody call me uh, office call uh, on. Um, uh, the the illustrious Microsoft Teams, and he said, "Hey, Stu," and immediately my digital assistant answered from both homebots. Oh no! <laughs> Trying to subsume your identity. It's beginning, DJ. It's beginning. <laughs> Aside from technical faffery, how are you? I am very well, Todd Juno Cosgrove. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I am a little bit older, not really any wiser, uh, and I've now tried paddleboarding. That's exciting. Oh, good look. Is that what happens in Northern Ireland? You turn 30 and you get thrown onto a paddleboard. <laughs> yes, and, um, at least if you are in my family, apparently. Yeah, well, there we go. That sounds like a lovely time out. Uh, you were paddleboarding presumably in the North Sea. Uh, no, actually, it was in a lake, which is not okay. something I've done a lot of. So it was, uh, I think it was actually a temperature controlled lake because I didn't die of hypothermia. So um, it was actually very pleasant when I fell in eventually. I was going to say the North Sea, I would imagine is well, it's pretty parky at any time. Um, but I suppose you could... <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really get warm. It's between the big ice cubes at the top and the cold island at the bottom. It's not really a warm place. <laughs> no, except, but I suppose if you're going to be in it, then August is probably the time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat ambitious, yes. But no, this is this was inland. Uh, this is sort of stealing from parish notices, but yeah, it was inland in a lake and it was lovely. But that was my week. But uh yes. Podcast, Fuck. podcast, vaguely podcast. stationary themed podcast. Vaguely stationary themed, as somebody pointed out. Yes. So what are you writing with <laughs> and indeed on? Well, I, I didn't manage to finish my Nero's note, um, Grey Fergie, but I did swap out. Uh, just to save everyone from hearing me repeat the same pencil again. Um, one that I used the other day when we were out and about is the Midori Brass Bullet, um, which is a pencil holder rather than a pencil in itself, but it had a 602 stub in it. And I was, we were, where were we? We were out shopping, getting a few bits and pieces. And uh, Meg was like, oh, do you have a pen? 
And I just laughed. I'm like, darling, darling, do I have a pen? No. I do have a pencil, though. And the, the brass Midori lives in my wallet. So I was able to pull that out with a flourish and go, there, there you go, darling. There is a, a superior writing implement for you to scribble your shopping notes with. <laughs> and there you go. The man with a pencil for every occasion. <laughs> and right now, show note occasion is a golden bear, which is... Um, it's it's weathered, so there's a couple of scratches and scuffs on it, and it looks to have been chewed by a toddler at some stage. Um, I'm not sure how that happened, but it's still quite a long pencil. We're nowhere near Steinbeck, so I'm running with that, and I do enjoy it. And similarly to your Nero's Notes pencil, it's a full hex, so no rounding on the edges. Excellent. Very good. It's a good pencil, actually. I do like it. Mm. Uh, now, I, similarly piqued, I think, by those veiled veiled insults about the vague stationary nature of the podcast i, I thought well, like i'm gonna pull out something nerdy so i'm um, i've got a milan red blue pencil so red at one end blue at the other um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a soft triangle which is a technical term triangle that i invented a second ago a what sir a, a rouleau triangle of course it is it's a rouleau it's triangle a, you know it's a shape of equal distance from the center so it doesn't matter where you are on the perimeter. It's an equal distance from the middle. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, everybody knows that, TJ. Um, <clears throat> um, and it's very nice. I mean, it's very blue. It's very red. It's very waxy, mm. uh, as colored pencils tend to be. Um, yep. But it's nice. It's nice to have a little contrast, a little bit nerdy. Uh, I'm enjoying it, I've got to be honest. Oh, and I'm writing in uh, what, I, what I think is now podcast book three, the Field Note Signature. Um, where. Mm. We're Very nice. Tearing through this now, and uh, I've got I've got more lined up. I'm at a real notebook turnover point. Um, I got, can I be derailed now? But I sort of have <laughs> I have three sort of worky-ish notebooks on the go at one time, plus the podcasting one, so four plus my journal five. Now my journal yeah. is a planner, so that goes with the calendar. So that's not really going anywhere soon. But the other four are all on the cusp of changing. So there was, I kid you not, a good 30 minutes this morning thinking about <laughs> which notebook would be stepping into which particular breach. Um, I think I'm there, but I've made no public statements yet. So I, I'm, I'm going to hold. See, we're, we're a stationary podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah you, you won deep. You asked for it. You got it. Um so yes, I've uh, there, there's a there's a great way to spend a half an hour. Just oh, shall I? Leuchtturm <laughs> or Rodier? Oh no, maybe endless. No, how about Blackwing? I mean, oh, go on for hours. Before I do, what have you been watching? Oh, um, I watched a film the other day, which is effectively Vampires in a Plane. Uh, Blood Red Sky popped oh. up on Netflix. It's a German film that has been thoughtfully dubbed into English. Uh, although I watched the subtitle version because it's better. And yeah, it's it's vampires on a plane. Uh, sorry to spoil it for you, but if they didn't get that from the trailer, you're going to be quickly surprised about 15 seconds into the film. Um, it, it wasn't bad. Uh, it was a German film, so a lot of German characters. Again, doing that wonderful European thing where they, they thoughtfully speak English at certain times and they don't even subtitle the English. Like in, in an American or a British film, if a character speaks French, they'll hard code subtitles in because there's not a chance anyone will know what they're saying. So they'll literally put the subtitles into the, the visuals on a lot of European movies. They're just like, 
English. Yes, of course. All the, the German, French, European people that are watching this will know what English is because it's a simple childish language. So we'll not bother putting subtitles for that. <laughs> so they kind of flip back and forth. Um, it was great. It was, it was actually a pretty good little film. Uh, interesting premise, something a bit different. Uh, strong characters, good performances from everybody there. And yeah, I, I don't know what I was expecting. It gave me a lot of what I kind of had expected in terms of like vampires on a plane whatever that conjures up is probably appropriate but there was a lot of story-driven stuff that really brought it above sort of nonsense film i made it something that was i wouldn't say it's amazing but it was definitely worth watching uh, and i enjoyed it and it's got the so that's called the customary sort of cosgrove uh, undead element Yes. I mean, I wouldn't say it's customary, but I do, I do have a certain flavor. Uh, there's a blood red sky, not blood red skies, as I kept Googling. I'm not coming up with anything. It's just singular. One sky that is red. Uh, and the other thing that I started watching this morning, actually, because I'm off this week, is an Apple original. And it's got Jason Momoa of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and Aquaman fame. C S W. You watched that? Um, I watched the first season. Is there another? Uh, the second season's coming. Okay. Uh, the first season, I'm sort of four episodes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it. Again, different kind of show. Again, I'm going to spoil it for you. If you don't want to hear anything about the show, uh, stop listening for 15 minutes. Um, people are blind. Sorry to spoil it. Um, everyone's blind, and then some aren't, and that's a big plot point. I'm, what, three or four episodes in? I really like the world that they've built. I like the kind of the depth of storytelling. Um there's an awful lot in there that interests me beyond the sort of narrative of the film. Like the film, the, the, the TV show, it seems really interesting so far. But the idea that there's a, a not-based language for, for transferring things, because obviously no one can read because no one can see, is fascinating. The idea that you'd have different ways of laying out buildings in a town with ropes strung between them so you could get between them. Uh, lots of different things that they've obviously thought about that I thought, oh. That's a good bit of lore, a good bit of world building. I'm enjoying this. So I've kind of been watching the episodes and going, yeah, the story's pretty good. I like the world that they've built more than the story so far, just because it's unique. So, yeah, I'm enjoying that. I'm going to go watch a few more episodes later, I think. Cool. Well, I, I look forward to hearing some more uh, as you as you get to the, um, the denouement, as they say. Hmm. What about you? Uh, what if I, well, just more of the same, really. So uh, Baptiste, the sort of uh, mostly drunk, belligerent Frenchman, um, who reminds me a lot of Frenchmen, I know, to be honest. Um, uh, That's good. That's, uh, I don't know how close we are to the end. It's on uh, terrestrial TV, so I'm sort of seeing it once a week. Uh, And I don't know how many, yeah, I don't know how many eps there are left, but I imagine we're quite close to the end. (laughs) Seems to be quite tense anyway. Uh, Ted Lasso, which is not on terrestrial TV, but is being released old school as well. So <laughs> this is uh, season two, right? This is season two. Uh, football is life. Um, it's, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I think entirely accidentally perfect for the time. Um, yeah. Uh, and just some interesting quirks. They're having fun with it. Uh, this was, I'm told written before the success of the first season was known. So it's, it's not suffering from any uh, delusions of grandeur yet. Yeah. The difficult second album type thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just more of the same and it, it's very funny and heartwarming and you, you watch it's an episode. As a show. Yeah. You, you watch an episode, you feel better. 
<laughs> I need to get back to it. Actually, I think I'm still stalled season one, episode six or something. I need to get back and finish it. Um, I'm kind of waiting until the second season is completed and then I'll I'll binge. Mm, yeah, well, I, I dare say I may do the this sort of the, the new way, the new modern way, which is to watch this drip feed episode by episode and then at the end binge it all anyway. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's plenty of jokes that I think you can pick up on the second view. Uh, and the other one we just started watching was a Netflix uh, series, uh, The Good Doctor, uh, which is about, I mean, it's a, it's a slightly odd premise. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, I'm just, you, you kind of have to go with it if you're going to enjoy it. So the, mm-hmm. uh, without much explanation of how it happened, a hospital in Silicon Valley uh, in San Jose, uh, recruits an autistic surgeon. So you're not quite sure how this guy went through sort of medical training and school and everything, because clearly there are some, you know, some barriers. Um, and he's, um, let me get this right. He's uh, autistic, but also with, uh, is it Savant syndrome? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is sort of an incredibly deep intelligence uh, on on a variety of issues, uh, so he, you know he's like a genius on various. Mm-hmm. He, and the the way they've the, the way they've shot it uh, certainly appeals to me. It's it's a fantastic insight into the, to the different way uh, that that some people think, um, mm. and it you know very much emphasises that it's not a right way or a wrong way. It's a different way, and it's great. It's it's quite feel goody as well. I've got to say. Um, you know, generally speaking, you know, the good guy gets saved at the end, that type of thing. Medical drama. Yeah. Like a less belligerent house. <laughs> yeah. Something like that, I would guess. Um, with a slightly more interesting premise. So uh, we're enjoying that. We've watched, I'm going to say three or four. Um, the good news is that I'm able to say, should we watch the good doctor rather than be hit with Virgin River? <laughs> yes that's the quick sort of um the indiana jones bag swap idol thing where you're like uh quickly the good doctor and then you don't have to watch virgin river you can put that in the bin over in the corner and no one will notice you're like just that that indiana jones thing and then hopefully not run away from the boulder <laughs> yeah so so yeah i mean i i fear i fear that the virgin river is waiting for me however <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm that's tomorrow's sadness yeah. <laughs> I, i'm enjoying the time while i can uh, what about listening? You've been listening to anything this week? Uh, yeah, a different podcast, and it's a suggestion for you as well. Um, do you listen to many scripted podcasts? Uh, no, I don't. So neither neither do I typically. I've listened to a few in the past. There's a couple of zombie ones, Shock Horror, that I've listened to. And uh, those aren't the titles, just it's not surprising that I've listened to them. Um, one that came up recently is made by sort of two of the main actors in it are people that we watch on YouTube. Rhett and Link, who make um, Good Mythical Morning, which is kind of a strange uh, like breakfast show on YouTube where they'll go and do different things and taste test different things. And it's just a bit of fun. But they are sort of uh, the lead roles or one's a lead role, one's a featured role in this new podcast called Ronstadt. And uh, it's really interesting. I don't want to give too much away because I think I could easily tip the balance or bias you on it. But you should give the first episode a listen. It's a little bit sort of it's it 
suffers from sort of radio drama syndrome in that because it's all audio, you almost need to tell people some stuff quite literally, which mm -hmm. seems strange coming from a very visual standpoint. Like if you're used to TV shows and movies, it seems almost obvious. Like, oh, I've walked into the living room. You're like, duh. But like, there's no way to convey that without putting it into the the words. You have to get a bit of that sort of descriptiveness. But um, it's good. It's weird. It's fun. It's kind of, it, it's an interesting um, storytelling way sort of method that i'm enjoying and the sort of production values are very very good so the audio sounds great the sound effects are great the characters are great and they're not big episodes and i think the full season's now released of it i think it's maybe seven or eight episodes but something a little bit different and if you want to try something scripted i would suggest it's a good place to start so it's ronstadt r-o-n-s-t-a-d-t uh, and give it a look excellent oh, i shall i shall look that up it sounds quite fun Mm. Uh, what about me? Well, yeah, yeah, nothing exciting for me. Um, I was, I was behind the eight ball, uh, on my podcast and now I'm not. So I'm fully up to date. I've listened to, well, most of them. I may have zipped one or two. Um, but yeah, I've been busy. And one of the things I've been busy doing is reading. I've been reading mm. a lot. Um, I touched on this before where I've sort of got an idea now about another novel, which is a bit annoying because I haven't finished the first one. But anyway. Um, <laughs> this is the way. You need, to, you need to stop and get distracted now before you've done anything. That's the way it works. Well, I, I'm thinking of this. I'm trying to think of this uh, in a very sort of sales manner. So I'm building a pipeline, TJ. That's what I'm doing. Um, we're going to have a variety <laughs> of novels at various stages along the customer journey as we like to call it <laughs> um so because of that um i've started reading a lot more books around the recent history of cyprus uh so i'm reading the cyprus emergency the divided island 1955 to 1974 by a chap called nick van der Biel, whom i whom i'm assuming is dutch um it's it's a story. Uh, Fifty-five is when the uh, the Cypriot population started agitating against their colonial overlords, those damned Brits. Um, and seventy-four is when Turkey said enough's enough and landed a load of paratroopers in the north of the island. So, quite a quite a busy twenty years. Mm. Um, and it, I, I'm enjoying sort of getting some fact because there's a lot of sort of anecdotal stuff that I know, and it's, it's nice to try mm. to have a framework and see what order things happened. Uh, so I'm reading that. I'm also, and this is, this is the, the whole pipeline thing again, uh, for my other book, which is set uh, mostly in Budapest, um, I'm reading Budapest Then and Now, which is a collection of columns from uh, the Budapest Business Journal, which I'm not even sure still exists, but did when I was there. Um, and it's a chap called Imre Mora, who's a, um, a Hungarian who, he, he, I mean, he would have been getting on a bit back then. Uh, mm. And so he sort of, he was doing some contrasts of, of Budapest in the earlier 20th century to, the, to how it was rapidly changing in the later 20th century. So the, the nice little articles, quite short, little essays. Hmm. Um, so there we go. Reading like a mad thing. What about you? You reading anything? Uh, well, just on, on your uh, point about Budapest, 
I uh, had a very proud moment where I was able to parlay one of your anecdotes into an interesting fact for someone else. Ooh. So we were watching a video and it was like, I can't remember what it was, it was like lunches around the world or something. Meg had put it on while I was out of the room and it was like lots of different people. I think it was BuzzFeed perhaps had basically taken video from first person perspective of them ordering lunch in their respective countries. So it was, you know, Hong Kong or Taiwan or India or South America. It was all over the place. All these really interesting types of food and and. It's literally that is just to compare and contrast the different things that people eat around a central theme. And I was sort of interesting enough, but I was kind of on my phone and looking and watching a wee bit. And uh, one popped up and it was this. I can't remember what the food was. It looked like delicious sort of bread and meat put together. And uh, I had missed the sort of the title at the beginning of what it was. And so you're watching this and then you're trying to do that thing where you're like, okay, look at everything on screen and try and figure out where this is. And so you're looking at the writing, you're looking at um, what people are wearing, you're looking at the, the environment, you're looking at all that and listening for if you can understand the words. And uh, the, the person was handed this piece of food in consonom. And I went, ah, hungry then. Uh, after you telling me about McDonald's and their <laughs> consonom written on a bin, meaning thank you. And I went, I think, I think it's Hungarian. And then at the end, I went, boop, hungry. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, just, just being really smart over here. Don't worry about it. Very gay, you see. How how to impress people. (laughs) Speak to you for 185 episodes and then regurgitate most of it backwards and wrong. Just just throw random, random foreign language words in. (laughs) Always works. But I thought that was a lovely moment of like, ah, the podcast returns to the real world. (laughs) There we go. It's not been an entirely wasted 200 plus hours. (laughs) But yes, reading. Reading, I have actually made some time to read after I said I was disappointed that I hadn't last week. So I'm off this week, which is nice. And I had some time to read. So I, I took it. I actually read a lot. I read a full book and I'm halfway through another one. And they are lit RPG books. So basically like D&D, but a novel. Oh, uh, It's a strange format. It's one that I actually really enjoy. But the the conceit is that the characters, for whatever reason, there's a variety of sort of setups they understand that they are in a D&D based structure where there's levels and spells and experience points and things like that. And so different books and different series handle that concept in different ways. Uh, the one I'm reading at the minute, <laughs> and now I'm feeling a bit on the spot. It's a zombie one. It's called Ravenous. <laughs> of course it is. What else would it mean? Mm, yeah. Uh, but it's it's really interesting. So the lead character is a zombie, uh, becomes a necromancer, and then a lot of the stuff around that is based on the kind of unique circumstances of, okay, he's dead, but he's also alive and he levels up. And it's really, really good. So the, the author's David Petrie, uh, and the first book's called Ravenous. I'm reading the second one, which is called Revenant. And they're not massive books. I think probably... At my speed, it's about three or four hours a book, three hours, three and a half hours a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just reading them in the evenings. But I blew through the first one really, really quickly because I really enjoyed it. And I'm half th- half to three quarters of the way through the second one. I think there's one more after this. So, yeah, I'm really digging the, the lit RPG books. Um, very, very strange format if you're used to reading like normal literary stuff. It is, it's not jarring, but it is just odd. Uh, but if you like D&D, if you like that kind of thing, give one a try. There's there's plenty on there. I think the ones I'm reading are on Kindle Unlimited. It's like a membership-based thing. But yeah, really, really good, really enjoyable, really easy to read, uh, and still plenty of story. Like, it's not just... It doesn't read like a textbook or a someone's, like, written down the notes from a D&D campaign. It's a full 
narrative that just happens to have stats in there as well sometimes. So it's it's really good, different, but very, very good. Excellent. Sounds fun. Uh, but yeah, David Petrie, ravenous. Ravenous. Talking ravenous, what have you been drinking? <laughs> right now I'm drinking a delicious iced coffee that my wife made me, which seems to be... Uh, lots and lots of milk, one ice cube, and it looked at a coffee once. It's very, very thin. <laughs> it's 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 lovely, but it's I probably would use a little less milk because I'm basically drinking milk with coffee essence. But it's very, very tasty and it's nice and cold. Um, but also, I had a few Peronis uh, at the start of the week. Good we stuff. We had folks over to the garden Italian birthday beer. party. It was very good. Went down well. We filled our ice bucket in the garden full of um, Coke Zero and Peroni. And it was uh, sat out in the sun for four hours. And then we had a water bucket with iced water, uh, with Peroni and Coke Zero, <laughs> which was fun. Excellent. Sounds lovely. Sunlight in Northern mm. Ireland. Who would have thought it? Uh, that, was, that was our lot. We, we're done now. We're now back to overcast. Yeah, there was, there was talk of a sort of massive heat wave hitting the UK. It appears to have, I don't know, changed its mind. <laughs> now you're all right, mate. I'm off. I'm just going to go and burn Sicily. Um, where Christ, it's yeah. 48.8. Um, and interestingly, it was uh, Syracuse, which is uh, the exact town that um, I had proposed to Mrs. Lennon we were going to go and move to because there was, ah. a, there was a sort of, uh, I suppose about a year ago, it was like, well, we're not going to stay in Cyprus forever, are we? Um, uh, and so clearly gripped by fear that I might be forced to return to the United Kingdom, uh, I immediately came up with uh, the best possible weapon for a Sicilian and said, perhaps we should move to Sicily. Um, <laughs> and uh, Syracuse looks like a really cool town. It's very old, um, lots of uh, archaeology and history. It's right on the coast. Uh, it's adjacent to a rather good golf course. You won't be surprised to hear. Um, <laughs> Which is totally... Not on purpose at all. No, no, no. Of course, an entire coincidence. Um, uh, but apparently, it's the hottest place on the planet. So, um, yeah, we'll have to, to, to perhaps think about that. Uh, what about, oh, no, drinking. What am I drinking? I haven't covered what I'm drinking. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm drinking all the stuff, really. Uh, so, Keo, the, the Cypriot beer, which uh, Pauline, Pauline, listener Pauline, was over in, uh, in Cyprus uh, last week. Uh, and posted a picture in the Slack of, of the ubiquitous Kia. I mean, you really, you can't be in Cyprus and not see the Kia. Um, it's, it's there. Yeah, it's 70 years old and, and they're making quite a big thing of that. Uh, so, yeah, fair amount of that uh, when the weather allows. Uh, a lot of water because we are still, things have calmed down for us weather-wise. Uh, it's mm -hmm. currently 33 degrees, which is a... <laughs> at a, all. Yeah, it's about right for August, whereas... Uh, earlier in the week, we were at like 38, 39, which is just a uh, <laughs> bit warm, yeah. frankly. Um, so iced coffee is big in my world as well, although I don't have milk. So I just have espresso over ice. That's that's how I do my mm. iced coffee. And a little uh, bit of crema over the ice? A little bit of who? Of crema from your, your actual espresso, the little foamy bits? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get a bit of that going on as well. Yes, yes, yeah, very good. Um, and also uh, San Pellegrino. I don't know if you've come across that. They make uh, sparkling water. But yeah, they also do sort of fruity versions, uh, which yeah, are basically... Uh, like Arancina and there's a couple of different ones. They're all um, in Italian, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at least I can't read them. <laughs> yeah, uh, limonata, uh, arancata, that that sort of thing. Um, sorry, I just got to sharpen my pencil. It's annoying me. Um, obviously, so apologies to Meg, but it's now going to have a point on it. Yes, there we go. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's not a, just a rubbed down nubbin of graphite. <laughs> it's no longer a pencil, as far as Meg is concerned. Um, <laughs> what's that needle? Uh, so yes, buying. What are you buying, TJ? Well, I was bought a few nice things for my birthday. So I got a, an angle poise lamp, an old school proper angle poise lamp. Um, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. It could be Angel Pousse. Uh, <laughs> probably not. No. Um, it's it's lovely. It it kind of looks, I mean, it looks like the Pixar lamp if you're trying to conjure the image up in your head. Uh, the one I have is like piano black. So it's, it's gorgeous and glossy and, and uh, shiny. And it kind of looks like someone has constructed a 19th century train bridge in miniature to hold a light bulb. That's broadly what the engineering style is like. Uh, and it, it's stunning. It's really, really well made. It's really, really like bulky. And it, it's bulky as well as being quite delicate. Mm-hmm. So there's all these struts and bars and springs and screws and clips and things. And somehow it still looks somewhat sort of poised whenever you're... Ah, see what I did there? Whenever you're... Uh, <laughs> turning it on over the top of stuff. But um, it's brilliant. So it's in the back of the office now, lighting up a nice little um, collection of things. And then I treated myself to a few more apple stuff. apple stuff? apple things. Um, so I got my Apple TV 4K, which is very exciting. And I've ordered another HomePod Mini, which hasn't arrived yet. I think perhaps for a studio pair in the office, but we'll see where we get to. So I was playing with the Apple TV yesterday and today, and I've had a lot of fun because it's now synced up to the rest of the house so I can now blast music through my big big soundbar and bass subwoofer in the living room so now the whole house is getting like big noise music rather than just little noise music which is uh it's good fun so I'm enjoying that and then there's a few more integrations I could do with um shortcuts and a few other bits and bobs that make having the Apple ecosystem on the TV really nice over just uh I think we had a, a fire stick or whatever in there before which just does not talk to any of the other stuff. Well, I'm delighted. I mean, I do. I do like an angle poise lamp. They are um, mm. things of, of wonder that they're so intricate for such a well, basically simple function. Yeah, I mean, it's two bits of metal and a light bulb, but it, it somehow isn't. Um, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm really enjoying having it in the office, and it's nice. Uh, a lot of people went down this route of like, okay, he's now an adult, broadly speaking, so let's get him something that will last a, a long time. So I got some cufflinks, which were lovely, uh, and I got this beautiful lamp and a few other bits and pieces, which will outlast me, it all being well. So, that, you know, this lamp will keep being a lamp in 100 years' time. Mm, absolutely. Well, there you go. Well, welcome to your 30s. Uh, about another year or two, and it's just socks, mate. That, that's all you get then. It's the, the joy of socks. <laughs> yeah, this is the last big hurrah before you, you get to the scary numbers. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I hesitate to ask, but have you got a quote for us, TJ? I do. Yeah, it's a C.S. Lewis quote, actually. 30 was so strange for me. I've really had to come to terms with the fact that I am now a walking and talking adult, which... Hit me hard. <laughs> what is it? Uh, it just, it's strange and also completely benign. Like, it's not really any different. It isn't any different than being 29 or 28 or 31. It's just, it's irrelevant. But 
because society places such a big kind of like, oh, big birthday, big birthday, you kind of go, should I be more worried about this than I am? Should this be a bigger deal? Because everyone else seems to think it is. And so a little bit of that bleeds over, I think, to everybody, no matter how sort of blasé you are about it. But um, yeah. Mm, there you <laughs> go. Well, I, I got one specially for you for, for Northern Ireland and it's it's exam season uh, in the UK. So everybody's just got their A-level results and I think O-level results mm-hmm. are due next or GCSEs, as those young people call them. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm slightly distracted because Charlie the Jack Russell is currently performing a Paso Doble uh, where, where he's, <laughs> he's trying to engage Spice the Poodle in some sort of courtship ritual and she's trying to sleep. Uh, this is going to end badly for the Jack Russell because the poodle can be quite snappy at times. Uh, so if you hear any sort of strangled barking, <laughs> you'll know what's going on. Um, so uh, Omid Jalili, who's a very, very funny guy, you'll have seen him in 150 movies. He has little, um, sort of pretty much every di- director in the States or the UK goes, uh, we, need, we need a Persian. Anybody know a Persian? And uh, Omid Jalili gets the part. And he's also a stand-up comedian. And he, uh, every year, he tweets this out. After 13 retakes, the clearing system sent me to Ulster Uni Coleraine. Is that right, TJ? Coleraine? Coleraine. 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 During the Troubles, where I got a degree, was nicknamed Fenian Turk, and clapped an Orangeman's Day parade, thinking Holland were playing Northern Ireland in a friendly. Which is a beautiful and wonderful sideways look at at religion. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. Fenian Turk. Ah, there we go. Isn't it wonderful? Right, parish notices. Um, Mine are quite, well, a bit grumpy, I suppose, a bit sad. Two funerals uh, and two unexpected deaths last week. Oh, I'm sorry. That was was, uh, just a bit of a sort of... It was a bit relentless, if you know what I mean. <laughs> With the, yeah. the, uh, somebody who died local to us, a neighbour. Uh, I'm very proud of the of my wife, the current Mrs. L. Margaret, who um, she'd been doing a lot of really nice things for this lady. And she was able to get this lady to speak to her daughter the day before she died uh, on FaceTime, which, um, you know, the daughter was absolutely delighted about um so that was that was good news uh in a weird sort of way uh then there was my uncle uh who passed away from a stroke so i virtually attended that uh which is what you can do yeah. this, in this modern day and age uh and again there was you know tinges of happiness there because you uh at a funeral you always learn so much about the person who's gone um yeah so that ironically was, yeah so that was interesting uh and then uh again an, a, another neighbor uh passed away uh, and a guy from the walking group passed away sort of unexpectedly. No, no, uh, <laughs> excuse me, dogs, stop. Um, no COVID in any of these um, deaths. It, it's almost like um, things have been sort of saving themselves up for, for you know, better COVID times. What about you? Lift us up, TJ. Anything good in your parish notices? Well, as I've I've hinted at several times, I I turned 30 there on Tuesday. 
which was good. It was nice. It was nice to spend some time. We had our family around to the garden. Uh, and so we had um, just close family around on Monday to the garden. That was lovely. We had a wee party there. Um, and the weather mostly held out. Mostly. So we ended up, I have a gazebo, so I put that up. We have a parasol for the table, so put that up. And then as it was raining on our assembled guests who were huddled underneath parasol and gazebo, our neighbours next door sort of um, leaned over the fence and went, do, do you want me to bring our gazebo round as well for you? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. That would be lovely. Thank you so much. And so we borrowed an, a third gazebo, a third cover, and put that up. And so we were able to disperse everyone outside. So everyone was able to be outside and, and socially distanced and safe and still kind of all get together. So it was Megan's folks and my folks. Uh, it was just really, really nice to have everybody together again. And uh, we both forgot how tiring um, entertaining can be. Yeah. Because we haven't done it for 18 months plus. Uh, and even then we hadn't done it a lot before. And so it was like we'd, we'd nominally thought about doing something for our wedding anniversary to get everybody together because obviously we didn't have a big wedding. It'd be mm-hmm. nice to get everybody together for that. And so this is sort of a quasi surprise party in that I knew nothing until Monday and then everybody arrived on Monday afternoon. So I was told before they arrived so that because Megan was doing a lot of stuff that would have been quite suspect otherwise. <laughs> sure. like, why are you preparing food for 11, darling? What's going on here? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that was a bit odd and it probably made more sense to tell me that stage because then I could actually help. But um, I've forgotten where the story was meandering to, but it's it's not meandering there anymore. I've lost oh, the, the fatigue, the tiringness of entertaining. Oh, and yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so we'd nominally said, oh, yeah, we'll do something for our wedding anniversary. <laughs> we sort we of finished. And my little nephew was there as well, who's two. Uh, and my other nephew, who's about six months. And it was great to see them. And so we, we'd been doing stuff all day long on Monday. And it got to about 10 o'clock and everybody had gone home a couple of hours before. And we finally finished doing dishes and tidying up most of the stuff. And the two of us kind of turned around and went, yeah, so scrapping that party. Yeah, scrap that party. No, no, so it's not, that's us for 2021. No more entertaining. We're done. That's it. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to do a party, get it catered. That, that's, a, that's how it would have worked had it been the wedding. Somebody else would have done yeah. all the heavy lifting. It's like, sweetheart, sweetheart, for my, if I have a, a 40th, can it not be here? Yes. Can we go to a pub, please? <laughs> People can throw beer at so, me. Yeah, that that was, um, it was really, really good fun. It was lovely to see everybody, but I needed about three days afterwards. And then on Tuesday, Megan dragged me out and threw me in a lake. So it really didn't do anything for the fatigue of uh, the previous night to be chucked on a paddleboard and told don't fall over. <laughs> there we go. The perfect instruction. Don't fall over. How? Bye. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Gerald, hit it. Gerald. This is the three pin plug. Hi. I've decided to mix it up a little. I'm feeling like exercising my creative license. How do you like my range of accents? The first pin is Stuart Lennon. You can buy his collection of reasonably priced notebooks and stationery supplies at nerosnotes.co.uk. You can read his writings on writing at stuartlennon.com. If you want to see photos of his dogs, Spice and Charlie, you can follow him on Instagram at stuart.lennon587. The second pin is TJ Cosgrove. He created Wood and Graphite, a collection of over 150 short films on pencils, paper and other collected analog ephemera. You can watch it on YouTube, by searching Wood and Graphite. 
If you like looking at photos of coffee, keyboards and a black Labrador called Blue, you can follow him on Instagram at team underscore Cosgrove. The third pin in the three pin plug is this show, 1857. You can support the show by leaving a review on iTunes, or the podcatcher of your choice. The efficacy of which is debatable. Or by sharing with someone you think would enjoy it. Perhaps even nip over to nerosnote.co.uk and pick up a few lovely notebooks or fancy pencils, it all helps to cover the cost of hosting. The 3-pin plug is brought to you by me, Gerald, a totally normal human being, definitely real and corporeal, for sure. Thanks for listening, back to the show. Well, another excellent uh, performance from the maestro. Indeed, he he steps into the breach every time. (laughs) What are we talking about today? Well, this is something that you prompted that I've fallen down the rabbit hole with because I had uh, time off this week, which you uh, ruined by giving me something interesting to look into. And now I've just basically stuck in Obsidian all this week. So we're talking about Obsidian and Markdown, I guess. And and the kind of, what's the term I've forgotten? Is it personal knowledge database or something? (laughs) PKM, personal knowledge management. Oh, management, yes. Yeah. Although uh, there is, which I thought was interesting. There is a link in the show notes which I, adv- I advise listeners to go and click uh, to the uh, well-appointed desk. And in fact, TJ, you might want to click it now. Just I, th- I think it puts the. Uh, I've got, I've got um, airplane mode on. So it oh, oh, let's not do that then. Boop. Okay. Um, well, it's a really. It's okay. I can see it. On, I can see it on my phone. Uh, let me see. I just saw what the heck is PKM. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What the heck is PKM? Yeah, I'll put this link in the show notes because that's probably very useful. Um, yeah, so, I mean, why are you getting involved in Obsidian? What's that? What for? First off, I think you should tell me what Obsidian is because you're the one who started all this. <laughs> uh, Obsidian is, um, well, it's one of those things. It, it's whatever you want it to be. Uh, it's a note-taking app. So you can use it uh, instead of Apple Notes, for example. That, at its base level, is what it is. I don't think it does anything revolutionary, but it does do some really clever things. So I suppose it depends where you come at it from. For me, the reason that I looked at Obsidian, I had some interest in Obsidian, is one, lots of podcasters that I listened to were talking about it. Um, And... (laughs) yeah. Some of the ones that I would consider sort of, you know, the, the top level, the, the, the big boys. David Sparks was talking about it a lot. Um, so Max Sparky, Mac Power users fame. Um, and I have a lot of time for his thinking, uh, possibly because he's over 25. Um, and he's kind of, kind of done stuff. Um, but the other reason is, the whole system is built around Markdown files. Now, Markdown is a uh, is a language that you can use within a text file, a simple text file, uh, to give yourself some formatting. So rather than, if you think of Microsoft Word and 17,000 toolbars and, and ways of formatting your text, <laughs> um, if you want to... If you want to make something italic, you put an asterisk before the word, an asterisk after the word, boom, it's italic. So you can make all of those formatting changes without your hands ever looking at the keyboard. 
Um, it's a fast way of writing. Uh, invented by, um, well, Mr. Gruber. Um, John Gruber mm-hmm. of uh, Daring Fireball fame. And I really got into Markdown when I started writing in Ulysses, which is uh, mm-hmm. another very good app, I have to say. Um, and I, I love that sort of fast flow uh, that you don't need, or not, it's not that you don't need, there's less opportunity to distract yourself <laughs> with all sorts of menus. Um, you just sort Should of it be Calibri? Or papyrus. Yeah, exactly. Mm, all of that nonsense. 12 or 14 <laughs> size. Mm, black and, or very, very, very dark gray. And those headings. I mean, is that heading too big? Is it too small? I mean, um, all, all of those types <laughs> of things. So I found that really attractive and started using uh, Markdown. But I don't know about you, but I, when Evernote was, was the flavor of the month, I got into Evernote. And so I put a whole load of things into Evernote, which is fine. It's great, um, and unless you want to take them out, because then when <laughs> when you want to take them out, you find out that Evernote has turned your files into some sort of weird, odd thing that will never work with anything else. Uh, and it's that standard problem of all digital data that it becomes obsolete, um, and. The idea of notes and a knowledge base is that you should be able to access it forever is a long time, but certainly for a long time. Yeah, longer than a year is probably useful. Yeah. So um, let's assume that I fall out of love with Obsidian next week, which is always possible. Um, All I've got is a bunch of markdown files that are actually on my computer. They haven't gone into some weird server anywhere. They yeah. haven't gone into it in a weird format. So that data portability thing was very important to me, and that's what drew me to it. Uh, because I even think that those Markdown files are just text files. So if you change the suffix to .txt, you could open yep. them in Notepad. Yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't. Yeah. They would have a bunch of nonsense in them that wouldn't work because it's not a Markdown file anymore. But even if Markdown stopped being a thing, those files would still be text files. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they, you know, M. MD will open in anything that opens TXT anyway. So, it, I mean, it is literally, it's just a text file. Um, so that's what really attracted me to it. And then I, um, I've i been following a focus course uh, offered by the, the guys at the Suite Setup. And uh, as is often the case, you know, they, they're sort of cross-selling all the other things that they do. And I'm like, oh, look, there's a workshop on, on Obsidian. And the workshop, I think, was, uh, I might get this wrong, but I think it was $39, sort of early bird price. And mm. buying access to that workshop then gave me access to the full-blown course uh, when it was released. Oh, wow. Because okay. you're being used as a sort of, you know, as a as a... Uh, a beta user type thing just to test things out and stuff. Um, so I, I signed up for that. I thought, yeah, okay, why not? Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a convert. I'm very much into it. And I suppose before I go on, what what have you found? Because you've sort of wandered into this with curiosity and not mm. too much expectation, I would guess. Yeah, I didn't do an awful lot of research before. I went onto the Obsidian website and looked at what it was. 
because uh, I, I knew broadly what it was. I knew it was comparable to something like Evernote, which I used when I was in university. Mm. I've also used GoodNotes, which is an iPad app for a lot of handwriting stuff, which is great. So I did all my, my notes in there for a while, and I like it. Um, the, the Again, the same things that popped up for you really popped up for me whenever I was reading up on it on the website. It was like, okay, this is simple. It's just text files at its heart, which is is good. Because you don't want to faff around with proprietary formats that then don't work and then you can't get this out and then it's behind a server and are your data files actually your data files if they're on someone else's computer? And there's a whole lot of stuff there that as I I sort of do more stuff uh, and I'm on the internet for a longer time, I'm like, ah, I can't really be bothered with all this faff. I don't like paying big license subscriptions and things like that. I just want something that works and that can mm-hmm. be added to and that will, will last. And so a lot of the boxes that, that obsidian ticks are in that area for me. Uh, so I started looking at it. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Some interesting stuff here that I can use. And then you get into the the nitty gritty of it. Okay, it's it's Markdown based. Markdown is effectively just shorthand for HTML. Oh, oh, Obsidian is an Electron app built in JavaScript. So I can write JavaScript natively in the app. Okay, start getting to the the sort of programmery bits at the back end. Mm-hmm. So you may not have come across this; you may have already. There's a uh, basically a, a bit of code that they use called Mermaid JS, mm-hmm. uh, which is for drawing charts, and it's uh, you can use it in, in JavaScript normally, but you can write it natively inside Obsidian, of which there are now apps for iOS and such. And so you just do three backticks, and then you start writing code. Mm-hmm. And that code is really, really simple, really, really straightforward. And then when you hit uh, from edit to preview, that code turns into flow charts or Gantt charts or pie charts, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, oh, I like that. That's programmatic artistic creativity. This is kind of my jam. This is the little niche that I fall into. This is why I like programming is being able to do things artistically and visually that that people would normally do longhand. And so I've created flowcharts the the hard way. I've used lots of different apps to try and make it easy. This is the fastest and easiest way I've ever done it. And it's like nine lines of code gives you a really complex uh, flowchart describing different things. I was like, ooh, okay. Now we're getting into some territory where I'm going, this is, this is helpful. Like I can give someone a diagram that will explain a concept or, or outline how I want something done very, very quickly and very, very changeably as well. Something like, actually, no, not that bit. I delete four letters and all of a sudden it's right. So that aspect of it jumped out to me as well. And so I thought, okay, what would I use this for? Because I think we talked about this briefly. I think there's two approaches with this kind of thing. There's the, I have notes. This is for notes. And then you pour everything you've ever thought, heard, considered, or, or, or looked at sideways into Obsidian. And then you start the arduous task of knitting it all together mm-hmm. with the hopes that it'll someday be useful. And it may well be. I, I'm not trying to put any kind of disparaging note on that. That could be an excellent way to do things. Oh, oh stand I'm by. Sure. I will. <laughs> <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Um, I'm, I mean, well, I, Justin I would say has got the exact not, same problem. Yeah. It may not work, but you may draw some really interesting uh, like connections that you would otherwise not have done because it doesn't make any sense at all to contrive why you'd have a shopping list on the left hand side and 
detailed notes about taxes in 1812 on the other side. They mm-hmm. may have nothing in common. They may be so intrinsically and, uh, you know, interestingly connected. They go, how could this not have been seen before? <laughs> so I think there's something to be said, but it's probably not a very practical use of the system. But um, that's that's the first way. The other way is go, okay, what am I going to use this for? And I will then exclusively use it for that thing. So the kind of like one bucket, not the big bucket that everything goes in, one bucket for one thing and focus. Uh, so for me, that was writing. I like to do a little bit of creative writing on the side. Uh, it's mostly for me. I just enjoy it. And I thought, okay, you have a lot of different things. I had some stored in Bear, which is a Markdown app. Yep. I had some stored on Notes from Apple. I had some stored in text files on the iPad. I experimented with a lot of different ways of writing this stuff. I'd thought about going to some of the, the fancy writing apps like Ulysses and stuff. And then this came around and I was like, oh, okay. A lot of what I like to write is deeply complicated and intrinsically interconnected and it, it, too stupidly complex for its own good most of the time. But being able to go, this relates to this, which relates to that. And there's actually a subsection of this, which is actually kind of related to these things over here. That works for the way I do this. And so once I started using Obsidian, it was like, oh, oh, right. Okay, this is why they built stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, I think the the, the two approaches that you describe, uh, mm. you, you're right. There's, there's, there's value in looking at your existing body of work and, and trying to, to see if there are connections. But... It is, I think, for most people, very intimidating and would be a chore because what happens is that you have yeah. 500 notes in, you know, spread across three apps perhaps, and then you drop them all into one app. Well, then nothing happens. You just have 500 notes in an app and you go, oh. <laughs> um, you look at the map and it's like, oh, 500 nodes, no connections. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I just in... Justin did that. Justin from Stationary Jason, uh, uh, my, my other podcast, um, sort of put everything in there because he's a bit of a completionist and he, you know, he was, I don't know, I think we all have a natural, <laughs> a natural tendency to I've completed to go, Obsidian. <laughs> yeah, we have a natural tendency to go, this is it. This is the app that will rule them all. Um, and, I, you know, perhaps it is. Um, and perhaps that app does exist, but I suspect not. Unless, of course, you're into Rome or notion, in which case, please, please just back away gently from me. Um, I don't want to have to get something. Sauron.exe. Yeah, I don't want any restraining orders or anything. Um, but the other way, as you describe, is saying, okay, this is, this is, a fun, this is what I'm going to use this for. And quite quickly, I think you find if you start that way, it's not intimidating because... It, no, the, it's not daunting. Linking, uh, linking notes is actually very simple. I mean, it's a case of typing two, two brackets... Most people can manage that. Um, and you quickly begin to get a bit of a roll on and understanding how things work. And so what's happened to me is that I started with one project and then go, mm. oh, that would also work for this. <gasps> what am I going to do? Oh, I know, I'll open another folder. Oh, that wasn't so hard, was it? Um, and yeah. so you can then, I mean, I've actually started importing some notes from other places when I've seen a need for it. So I've been thinking about something. And, oh, I wrote stuff on this before. <laughs> okay, I'll go and get the stuff I wrote and put it in here. Um, and then, you know, making, adding links on five notes is not desperately difficult. 
uh, adding it on 500, I can imagine, would be quite boring. <laughs> so, it, yeah. At that point, it, it starts growing. And as you say, you can then suddenly find that there are themes running through things you've been thinking about that you possibly didn't know were connected to each other. Um, yeah, or shortcuts. Is, you're like, oh, I've already done the work for this. I just need to tweak the name. Sure. And, uh, you know, that's that I think is part of what, what uh, Obsidian does. But to me, the thing that's been most important has got nothing to do with the app. Um, it was to do with uh, note making. Um, this is a concept, and I've forgotten the poor fellow's name. This is a concept that Mike Schmidt talks about uh, in the course that he does for the Sweet Setup, um, and it's uh, link linking my think link my thinking a YouTube channel. Um, yeah, the, yeah, I think I've watched a few episodes. Yeah. Uh, that man whose name escapes me again, I'm sorry, um, has talked about note-making versus note-taking. And that's where you take a note and you regard it as a sort of living thing that you revisit and that you try to develop and improve. So it's different from making an archive note where you say, okay, this happened, this person said that. You would say, okay, this happened, this person said that. This is how I feel about that. This is what I think might relate to that. That's why I think this is not as strong as it could have been or is not the definitive. You start almost arguing, making a point, exercising your brain a little bit um, and building notes. And so uh, they talk about a thing called an MOC note, which is a map of content. So mm -hmm. if... Uh, for example, I've got some notes on the Obsidian course. So as I was watching it, I thought, okay, well, I'll take some notes on this. Um, and as I write the note, and the, and the little, because it's little videos, the way the course works, sort of four or five minutes. At the end, I might continue writing, go, hang on, do do I do I agree with that? Is that correct? Is that... Um, and start expanding the note there and then going, oh, okay, so that relates to creativity. So I'll link to the note that I've done on creativity. And so, so it's the process that's been really important for me. And that mm -hmm. process is actually is an extension of, of Zettelkasten, uh, which is an analog system using index cards and, you know, a nice big wooden sort of box. Uh, but it's about linking things together and inputting your own reaction to notes yeah so, it's not just copying wikipedia wholesale yeah it's being more active in your note making rather than note taking so that was one aspect of it and the other one is atomic notes so initially my 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 i suppose natural default was say right obsidian course i'm now going to write and just keep typing away um <laughs> and and then at the very end go the end uh and the way that they talk about getting the best out of obsidian is no make little notes little baby notes atomic notes so if we're talking about um templates just talk about using templates if then we talk about the daily note template make another note called the daily note template sure link it to templates but don't put it in the same note because that's where you start getting the connectivity 
is because you've got those little atomic notes that really deal with yeah. one thing. If you have a note that deals with 65 things and all of your notes deal with 65 things, your graph quickly becomes, well, just <laughs> a whole bunch of lines uh, with no sort of clear pattern to it. So those were the things that got me thinking about how I'm working and how I'm researching because my initial use of Obsidian mm. was to research for this novel, which is now going to be a series of novels, etc. Um, but what I love about it is exactly as you've described, is that I can drop a Wikipedia link in there. It's easy, bang. I can even have an inline link and have the page sitting inside there if I want. Um, I'm not sure I'd ever want to do that, but I could. I can drop <laughs> pictures into it. I can drop PDFs into it. Uh, pretty much anything can go into a note and any note can link to another. And so I found as I started researching and thinking about, um, you know, a basic plot line, that then expanded into a huge amount of research. And then I was able to sort of sit back and go, okay, hang on, I need to trim this. You know, I'm not planning on writing the entire history of Cyprus since, you know, 2000 BC to now. Um, and that whole thinking process fits very nicely, as you might expect with Obsidian, because that's kind of what Obsidian was designed for. Um, and if I want to use tags in a certain way, um, you, you talked about uh, coding, which, as you know, is is entirely Greek to me. But even I can use YAML <laughs> to say, okay, I'm going to put some front matter onto this note um, so I can add tags to it, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very straightforward. Yeah. You know, it's three dashes, leave a line. You know. I think, oh, okay, I could learn that because it is a fit. It's, it's almost like using Markdown as in a sort of introduction to coding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. that's, that's broadly what it is. I mean, Markdown is effectively just shorthand for HTML, which is yep. programming. Sure. So um, it, it allows all of that flexibility and you don't need to use it, but you can use it. So you have the yeah. option, which I think is, is what's nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been rattling away using it. I've got to be careful not to use it for sort of eight hours a day because clearly there's other things to do in my life. Um, <laughs> but certainly for, for something like book research, what I'm using it for and plotting. Yeah. Uh, it, it's absolutely fantastic. And for taking notes around something like a video course, um, I found it really useful. And it's a great way to learn. It's a fantastic way to learn how, yeah. things, how things link together. Um, and the other thing that I thought was really important about the way that uh, Mike Schmitz, at least, was, was promoting it was not everything that you note necessarily needs to go into Obsidian. Um, it, it doesn't have to be your capture tool because, I mean, you and I might say, well, quite a lot of the time our capture tool is a, is a pocket notebook. Um, yeah. Or people might say, you know, drafts, for example, is a capture tool. Sometimes um, a photograph for me is a capture. Like yeah. I'll just have a, oh yeah, I took a photo of that menu and that picture of a thing that I wanted to look at. And, you know, there might be 10 different data sources that are the material, but I think what you're getting to is that you then need to synthesize those into the note. So you may take notes or copy a, a PDF or save a, a web page or something about, I don't know, dog breeds or something. Mm -hmm. But then if you're writing about your favorite dog breeds or dog breeds that are going to be relevant to this story, 
you don't need to copy and paste that whole seal. You just look at what you've gathered and you go, okay, what is my note on this content? Yeah, exactly. And there's, um, there's, there are times, I mean, he talks about during his day, he might write down five things uh, in his notebook and one of those will make it to Obsidian. So he's talking about some, yeah. you know, a 20% <laughs> success rate. And I, I think that's, that's a useful way of thinking about it because digital hoarding, which I, I, <clears throat> I may, have, may, may well have been um, guilty of, uh, you know, I, I remember throwing things into Evernote. Oh, I'll save that into Evernote. I'll save that into Evernote. Um, read it later apps like Pocket, you know, I, I open up Pocket every now and again. And go, oh, 755 articles that I've never, ever looked at again. Um, there's there's a there's a, a tendency i think to hoard and that that hoarding disguises the actual genuine thought and notes that that probably live yeah. within it um which is a long way of saying well actually it's nothing to do with the app it's just to do with sort of pruning down what i'm noting i suppose <laughs> um yeah. but what what i also am blown away by is the plugins have you started playing with the plugins a little bit, yeah. So I use the template plugin, which is amazing for um, dropping in structure to a note. And so I had, uh, I made one up that was, I went uh, basically a folder full of characters. And then whenever a character was mentioned in a story, I could link to their character page or their bio, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then that was structured in such a way that it listed all the relationships they might have with different characters, all the objects that may be linked to this character, and then some stats about them, like their the age or anything else we know about them within the story. And so for me, it started opening up like a, oh, right, this is like, you can build an entire almost website of content about these characters that will then be part of the text. So yeah, I use the templates to sort of generate that. I use the templates for the Mermaid JS. You can sort of use that to quickly paste it in because the the backtick character isn't the easiest thing to find on mm. iOS. So you can literally set it up that with one click, it'll paste in a code block the right size with all the right details. You just fill it in, all of a sudden you got a diagram. So I've started playing with that. I haven't really gone beyond that yet because I'm still trying to figure out the base functionality before I start mucking about with extra stuff. Yeah, and I mean, as you've you know you touched upon for world building and stuff, it's it's just a brilliant mm. tool because the links work both ways, and you can always get from one side to the other. Um, but you know, some of the things uh, there's a Kanban um, plugin, and <laughs> you can just pretty much turn anything into a Kanban board. And when when you look at a sort of blank note, it is very stark. There's nothing there. You've got you've got a couple of sort of well-hidden sort of icon-type menus around the place. But you look at it and you think, oh, this is, this is just some sort of typing thing. And then suddenly you can, uh, you can use the calendar plugin, you can use a Kanban plugin, and these things start mm. appearing. And then yeah. you can... It's like waving a magic wand. Yeah, you can drag and drop them around the interface. So you can have uh, you know, anything that's on the interface, you can move it somewhere else on the interface um, in the sort of the whole blocks-type theory. And, and mm. I love that because it allows you to, oh, the other thing is you can then save it. So if you were in world building mode, you can make the interface bespoke for when you are in that mode. Yeah. And then you can click into another mode and go, oh, okay, I'm now, I'm now in writing mode. I'm just going to be writing fiction. 
So I, I want the minimum distraction, the minimum things in my way. Um, you know, I don't want to see a local graph. I just want to write. Um, and I think that's brilliant. But it does require that investment of of investigation and going, okay, so what do I want? How does it yeah. work? Yeah. I think it's really interesting as well because this is a tool, right? And I like that it's just basically a big blank canvas on a box. It's a toolbox sitting beside it. And you can do a thousand things, but you can decide which 10 of them you're actually going to use on you go. We're not going to sort of try and guide you down the path. We're going to give you some guides and documentation and we're going to give you the tools and we're going to let you play. That's exciting uh, because you don't feel like you're being penned in or that you have to. So many times I've tried to use apps against the flow. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but I know this app is for this, but I'm going to try and make it do this. And it's a constant struggle with this. I feel like you could use it any one of 10 ways and none of them would feel any more or less straightforward because it's built to do everything. It's built to handle whatever you want to do with the tools, um, which is exciting as, as something that is free to use. You don't mind saving my iCloud. So those are on my devices. They're not going anywhere. And I can have as much or as little as I want until I run out of iCloud storage, which is my problem to fix. That's cool. And then I look at also the, the sort of fundamental technology it's built on is is Markdown and text-based. I'm going, okay, well, w- what if we didn't just write in this? What if it wasn't just a toolbox? What if this was the art gallery as well as the, the canvas? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the sort of the, the reading view, the sort of the pretty reading view of a, of a document and going, yeah, but why would I not want to read a story where at any moment I could click into a character or click into something and get the information about them like this was an RPG game? Sure. Would yeah. that not be an interesting reading experience in of itself where you can read the story and then you can go back and contextually read the story, but being able to go, yeah, yeah, but what, what how, who do they know? And what, what's that connection? And, you know, so many times I think they do it in, in books and movies and stuff where you'll watch a film, you'll read a book and then you'll go back and look up about it and it'll go, oh yes, this character met this character in season one, episode 12. And they had a conversation, you know, all the intricate nonsense that you think, oh, that's actually, that's why they reacted funny or that's why they didn't like them. It gives you the, the, the extra flavor in the back sort of extra knowledge that you wouldn't necessarily have on the front end. Mm-hmm. Being able to put that into the content and make that part of the, the narrative that you're reading a story that then you can dive as deep as you want on, on any granular area of it, that fascinates me. And because it's built on Markdown, you can basically take that folder and tell that folder on a server to be a website, and all of a sudden anyone can read it anywhere. Yeah, they they have a they have a an option a publish option. It's a it's a paid yeah. for add on thing. But yeah, it's I I think that you you're exactly right. That's what it offers is that sort of it's that openness and that ability then to mm. a, apply creativity to it. Um, and it can just be, it can be a simple research tool. It can be a simple notes tool. It can be, um, you know, some people are using it for their journal, for their daily task list. They're doing everything in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be as much or as little of that as you want. Um, and I like that too, as you say. It's not trying to guide you down a specific path and say, well, get rid of your yeah. task apps. Get rid of them. It's saying you could if you wanted to do this or you could do that or um which makes it much more malleable much more uh appealing to to my needs rather than to you know some sort of perceived need because when i first looked at it i thought i don't know what i what i would do with this 
And, and yeah. so for, for weeks, I was, you know, just sort of typing away, going, what is Obsidian? And, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it's only when I actually had a, a meaningful, realistic project that suddenly I went from two little no notes saying, what is Obsidian, to um, 35 notes on Cyprus. Bang. <laughs> okay. All right. I, 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 I see now. You know, it, it, I get it. Yeah. It, it takes you on a journey. So you think you're going to keep it then? I think so, yeah. I'm really enamored with it at the minute. I've done a lot of writing. I've transferred a lot of disparate things into one place. So even if I stopped using it tomorrow, I'd have, I have at least taken what was, uh, I don't know, 12 to 15 links on my reading list on Safari, uh, 20 to 30 different notes in Apple Notes, 15 to 20 different bear notes, and I put them into maybe 20 or 30 uh, text files that are stored in folders neatly. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, if I don't do anything beyond using it right now, I've organized that information into one place rather than 30 places. Oh, that's a definite win, isn't it? So, but I can see myself using it going forward. There's so much that I haven't figured out or even started to even scratch the surface on. But as you say, the tool itself is exciting. I, I don't remember being as jazzed to use an app like this before um i was going to say since and then i couldn't think of one so <laughs> i don't think i've ever been this excited to try and use something for different ways and i think the potential of it to do whatever i wanted to do is the exciting part so it's not like here's a revolutionary system with these 12 steps you can do this and like okay but i don't really want to do it that way this is more like here's a magic wand you can do whatever you want and i kind of just go off and figure out what i want to do Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, I can see how it fits uh, into all of my workflows without having to, mm. to replace them or unsettle them or, you know, it's, uh, it, it is exciting. It's, it's an unusual feeling. I mean, I felt, I think I felt the same f when I first came across Evernote because I, I thought, this is what I, I just put everything here and it'll all just be to hand and I'll be able to find it. And it didn't quite come off like that. Um, and I guess now I'm a little bit older and my expectations have slightly changed. Um, <laughs> but it just having, having changed from one system to another, to another, to another, to another, to another in several different sort of areas, just data portability just strikes me as yes. so important now. It's just these are, these are text files and they're mine and I can put them in. Tell you what, let me put lots and lots of time into this then paywall it on me, then make it really hard to, to, to read or write or to change, and then just just don't even save it on my computer. Save it somewhere else where I have to pay to look at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the big one for me. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was a very interconnected episode of 1857.